We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. For boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com. That's W-H-N-N-Bet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter. New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host, Nick Pilato. We're doing a deep dive today on Wandell Robinson, the Giants' second-round pick. And on a future show, we'll get to the other two day two picks. Combine them together, Josh Azudu and Port Belflot. Both Nick and I kind of had some vacations planned right after the draft. And actually, Nick is away again this weekend, and so am I for Memorial Day weekend. So we wanted to make sure we kind of made up for kind of not having a chance to do this right after the draft last year. I think we did it. We did one of these types of like film based deep dives after the draft. We'll probably hold off on day. We've talked in length about day one. We'll probably hold off on day three until we get to our position previews. And that's kind of what you can expect next from big blue banter. We may have some interviews with some, with some guests, but we're also probably going to do what we did last off season in this dead time. And that's the time we've reached, which is kind of recap the mini camps. We got another one this week. Recap or, or the OTAs are to say recap the mandatory mini camps, any news out of that, and then preview position by position. So we'll be diving deep into these same players then too. But we wanted to talk a little bit about what the film says. And so let's start with Wandale Robinson, the Giants for uh first pick of day two at number 44 overall after trading back twice. Before we get into the film, Nick, I do want to ask you this. And I think it's fair to ask, and I'm curious to get your take on it, because I have the draft board up right now. Is Wandell Robinson the player you would have selected if you were in the Giants position at 44 overall? And if not, who are some of the players, or if there's only one, any player who you would have taken over Robinson? So, Dan, first I think we should applaud the Giants for trading back, right, twice. Uh, I appreciated the fact that they were able to do that. There were rumors from, you know, the great Ron Schneier that Roger McCreary could have possibly been the pick, and when he was selected, the Giants traded back twice. Uh, We've talked ad nauseum at this point, Dan, that we – respect the trade back process, get more kicks at the can, higher, hopefully, percentage to hit on some of those later round picks. So I do like that. But they're sitting there, the New York Giants at 43, and they select Wandale Robinson. There were players that I would have appreciated probably more than Wandale Robinson. I'm going to be completely honest here. 
Jaquan Brisker out of Penn State, the safety. I feel like he was a player I was pretty damn high on. There were other receivers that I even liked more than Wandell Robinson, Sky Moores of the world. You can even put Alec Pierce maybe in that situation for, for me personally. But that's not how the New York Giants went about this. I feel like they liked Wandell Robinson and have a specific plan for Wandell Robinson. And as we've talked a lot, Dan, we got to see that come now. Now we need to see that actually happen because Wondell Robinson, I like the kid. I do like the receiver. Like I said, I had a second round grade on his film evaluation before his measurables came out. And I think that's important, but I felt like it was a little bit redundant, which isn't always a bad thing, but how are you going to use this specific player who is an outlier in three different ways in your offense? It seems like Brian Dable and Joe Shane, they have a really good plan for Wondell Robinson. I'm not hundred percent certain what that is quite yet. So I'm interested to see what it is, but I would say probably not. I think I would have went a different direction there. I'm not them. They have inside information that I do not possess, but that's probably my answer to that question. What about you? Yeah, it's interesting because I think you can make a case at all the picks that there are, generally speaking, obviously not at five and seven, at least not for me or you. But at most of these picks, there's at least one player maybe that we would have taken over them. But usually when it's like one player, it's like, well, that's A, not a huge sample size. And B, I can understand and respect and, and see what they were doing. I would say for this, I had several players who I would have selected over Wandell Robinson. And again, you mentioned a lot about the outlier. I think part of it is just for me. At 44 overall in a class like this where me and you talked at length before the draft about just the depth and high-end level of what picks 30 to 60 look like in this class, and that's unique and specific to this class. I felt like you could get a more complete player. I get it. They have a vision for Wando Robinson. I know he can potentially break mold, but at five foot eight and a half, and at his size, and honestly, to be quite honest with his speed, because if you watch on tape, and we'll get to that in this evaluation today, he gets cracked down and caught a lot on tape. He has good speed. He doesn't have Tyreek Hill speed. So if you want to point to, well, Tyreek Hill became a complete receiver at five foot nine or like a tick taller. Well, you just can't because Tyreek Hill is freakish speed and freakish acceleration. These are not two traits that Warren Robinson has. Again, he has good, really good acceleration, really good speed, not freakish level, not next level. And so complete players, I thought that were on the board that I would have definitely taken that the Giants also could have used to play a complete role as early as year one, Jabron, Jaquan Brisker, first one that comes to mind. He would probably be number one on my list of what, who I would have taken there. He went four picks later. The idea of Brisker and McKinney in that set in that secondary, and considering how often they're going to be using three safety looks, Nick, to me, I see more value in the short term. And long term, I feel safer and more strongly about the projection of how he can translate to next level. Another player I would have considered, to be quite honest, over him is Cam Jurgens, the center who ultimately went to the Eagles. Look, we're talking all this stuff about, and we'll get to it on this podcast, about how we like the Joshua Zuda pick because he fits what the Giants want to do. We're hearing it in OTAs. They're using a lot of tempo. They're using a lot of RPO. They're using a lot of spread. They're using a lot of shotgun athletic linemen. That's what you want. Guys who can get out in space and block for the likes of Darius Tony and, at this point, Wano Robinson. Well, we've heard Cam Jurgens is a Jason Kelsey clone or somebody who can kind of maybe be Jason Kelsey ask or Jason Kelsey light. Well, I don't feel great about John Feliciano for this year or long-term Nick. I would have loved to bring Jurgens in. He's another player I would have taken. He's an every down player. If he hits another, and then at the receiver position, there's a few players. I would have taken Tyquan Thornton over him, the Patriots receiver. I see a much better chance that Tyquan Thornton can be a complete player at the next level than Wondell Robinson. I would have taken George Pickens. I've already talked at length about that. Case can be made in my mind. Pickens was the best wide receiver prospect in this class. Alec Pierce would have taken over him. Sky Moore. So I got players at that position for sure that I would have taken over. But again, I'm happy to defer to the Giants at the wide receiver position. 
And outside of that, two others I considered but probably wouldn't have taken over him were Brian Cook, the safety out of Cincy. I think I'm okay taking the risk on Wandell instead there, Nick. And then Cam Taylor Britt, only because you kind of sold me on him as a potential perfect corner man coverage fit for the system, and they really need corners. Um, but outside of that, you know, it is a, a list that's only like four or five, six guys for me at least. But again, specifically Brisker and Jurgens, those are two players that I think had a better would have been, you know, better value for the Giants at that time. I think it probably would have been, but again, I will defer to the New York Giants. I'm not saying, oh, they're stupid for doing this, but now yeah. we have to see it bear out. We have to see it work on the field. Because I think Wanda Robinson, he's very interesting. I really appreciated his film. This guy, and we'll get into it, he's, I would say, a good athlete overall. Like you said, he's not elite, but he's good overall. And I think he's a very... I would say just tough and physical overall player, which is kind of funny to think about because he's five foot eight and everything. And I don't mean that he's going to, you know, climb the ladder on and wrestle footballs away from six foot one cornerbacks. But when you watch him go over the middle of the field and just get absolutely obliterated by a safety who weighs, you know, 20, 30 pounds more than him, and then he pops right up and then he starts to make plays on the subsequent plays. It's like, holy crap, man. I mean, watch the end of the Iowa game. That is a bowl game. That is a huge moment for the Kentucky Wildcats. And Wondell Robinson was a big reason why Kentucky ended up beating Iowa in a bowl game because of his toughness and his reliability. Liam Cohn's offensive, Liam Cohn is a very progressive and modern NFL mind in the tree of Sean McVay. And you could see how Wondell Robinson was the guy there. And this is also someone yeah. who was a new running back. I mean, a new wide receiver because he was a running back in high school and he was recruited to play running back at Nebraska. And he steps out and he, and he's very effective in Liam Cohn's offense at wide receiver. And I think that is another important note. There could be more growth here for Wondell Robinson, who is a little bit relatively new to this position right now. Yeah, and exactly. And these are the type of things that get me excited, Nick. Cause like, like I said there, yeah, there's a list of some players I would have taken over him at that point because of reasons and factors that, you know, looking at the 30,000 of a few of this, but when you break it down specifically and you kind of take a more like a narrow lens scope view of this, I can see what they vision here. Like you watch Wanda Robinson on film and something that comes out to me right away that stands out to me is I think this guy can be a really good scheme fit. And what I mean for that is you see how the, how often Kentucky's using him in pre-stat motion. You see he comes from that background of being a running back in Nebraska. Well, those two things are going to really help. For example, last year, the Giants used pre-stat motion on 7.5% of their plays. That was literally dead lowest in the NFL. So dead last, the Giants. And it's funny because, you know, Garrett was asked before the season, like, you're not using a lot of pre-snap motion. What's going on? He's like, no, we use it. You'll see. And he just didn't. He used it dead last. But in KC, Kafka, and it's not his offense, but Mike Kafka, who worked with the, the Chiefs, they ran it 64.5% of the time versus 7.5%. And Dable used pre-snap motion 34.3% of the time. So we know that's coming. And we understand that on the film, you see countless examples of Kentucky using Wandell in pre-snap motion. And what I really like about his chances of being an outlier is that it's not only that he's used in pre-snap motion, he has those running back vision traits that you see. I mean, there's a there's a clip from his early film, like when he was a running back in Nebraska. There was a game against Iowa. I'm forgetting. I, I don't have the time written down, the timestamp written down. I'm, sh I'm not sure if you can recall this since it's a random play. But there was a play that he made as a running back there where he – Watched him, and I replayed it like five times. I watched him make four defenders miss in the hole, which is sharp cutting and restarting ability. So it's the vision, and it's also the ability to make those sharp cuts and restart his momentum and his motion. 
And they're going to be using him a ton in pre-snap motion then getting him the ball and allowing him to do that in space. And like you said, the key thing here for me that stands out as why he could potentially be an outlier is that he was used in an alpha role. It's that he was used in that dominator type role in that Kentucky offense with Cohen. I mean, he saw the vision. He knew this was going to be how Will Levis was going to have to rely on who Will Levis is going to have to rely on to jumpstart that passing game, Nick. So definitely gets me excited. But I think the key for me is just the, the, the schematic fit for, for Robinson is really apples to apples one-to-one here. I don't know what play you're referring to, but just to refer back to that point, we saw him do that at Kentucky in terms of him catching those screens and taking them to the house. I mean, the screen against New Mexico State and the screen against Florida, he read like four or five blocks. And he's also just a very quick accelerator. Like he might not have that deep speed. He might get tracked down from behind sometimes, but he can go from zero to a hundred very quickly. And I feel like he's very light on his feet and has really good body control while he's moving. So even though he's small, he really challenges the angles of defensive backs and just defensive players in general because they think they have him lined up, but he's so quick and shifty in those short areas that he can make the miss. And he did that in the Florida Florida game. The Florida safety on that screenplay that I was referring to had a great angle. He sets outside, and then Wanda Robinson just jumps over his inside shoulder. The guy ends up slipping, and he takes it to the house. And then he breaks another tackle right after that. So he was just incredibly, I would say, poised to to get into the end zone on that play and showed a lot of really quick athletic traits in small confined areas like in a phone booth this guy can make somebody miss and who does that sound like that sounds a lot like Kadarius Tony so now let's see how both of those guys are used in a much more innovative offense than what we saw last year under Jason Garrett and it's really interesting too Nick because you mentioned you know what where do we see that before Kadarius Tony well there's a play against Georgia that reminded me so much of what Tony and Shepard can do and their ability to kind of use, and this is also what Wando had on this play, to use your feet as a route runner to somewhat freeze the defender. And he has like heavy chop steps. And this is something I saw Tony do a lot during his rookie season. And often you'll see those kind of like steps and the footwork and the ability to kind of try to be deceptive with his feet to create separation. It's something we praised Jahan Dotson for when we were watching his tape. And it's something that I think uh, Robinson does a really good job of, and he's going to continue to do a better job of as he gets to the next level and has like NFL coaching. But I thought, you know, the use of his stutter step and deception as part of his route running, it's probably something that he should continue to work on because it really emphasizes his ability to stop and start. And I ultimately, I think that's what Robinson does best. Yeah, he has good vision when he gets the ball in his hands. Yeah, he's super tough over the middle, but it's that stop and start ability that will allow him to not only be a weapon after the catch, but a better NFL route runner than, 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 you know, you may see from a lot of these other receivers. Cause that's the key thing that we liked about Tony last year. We saw on tape. It's like, we knew he was, a, had the ability after the catch. That's obvious. That wasn't going to translate to the next level, but it was the route running that was raw, but his ability to use his feet always kind of showed us, well, you know what he might be, you know, he might have the upside to be a really good route runner. I think Wanda Robinson has similar traits. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I 100% agree. And when you look at Wandell Robinson's just route running ability in general, we look, he ran a lot of screens, a lot of hitches, a lot of just fade routes, more simple routes. But when he was asked to run really, I guess, nuanced or precise routes, he did so very well. Before that final drive against Iowa, he had a play in the second quarter, and it was a third and 26 against a middle-of-the-field open defense. So you have two safeties who are going to play deep halves. So the middle of the field is open, and poor Dane Belton, current New York Giant, was aligned over the slot against Wandell Robinson. And you can tell Liam Cohen told Wandell Robinson to run this route this way. And Wandell Robinson does an excellent job I would say understanding space and knowing how to run the route and how to tempo his release to allow coverages to go where he wants them to. And on this play, he's the number two receiver. He's aligned on the hash. He runs inside. So he's running basically right towards the middle of the field, about five yards. And Dane Belton, he's shifting inside to try and wall him off. But then right as Dane Belton gets to his inside shoulder, Wondell Robinson breaks and goes right up the seam. And that little tempo of the route and that little just controlled release allows those safeties to expand outward. Middle of the field is wide open now. Wondell Robinson turns the Jets on, hits a second, third gear, goes right past Dane Belton, and then dives and makes the catch in between two safeties. That route may seem simple for wide receivers to run, but he needs to know timing. He needs to know space. He needs to know when he needs to turn those Jets on. And then that's not even taking into account that he made a diving catch over the middle of the field in a bowl game with a safety bearing down on him. There's a lot going on there. So you can tell from a mental standpoint, even though he's new to the wide receiver position, he understands a lot of those little nuanced things that you need to thrive. And that's another reason why I'm excited for Wondell Robinson. Yeah, me too. And I think one thing that comes to mind when it comes to Robinson is, well, look, at least for me, Nick, when I was watching the tape there, he is lined up from a lot of tight splits and there's a lot of pre-snap motion. So like, can he ever be an option for the Giants on the outsider? Is he simply just somebody who you need to be using in this, like, not gadget type role, but as this, like, pre snap motion mover and somebody who's in the slot all the time? But there's, like, little signs on his film, at least from the games that I saw, that show me that he can potentially do this. There was a play, I think it was at the 729 mark in the first quarter against Missouri in that game against Missouri, where he was lined up as the X and he did a really good job of just getting that burst with that quick first step off the line of scrimmage for the pure speed he needs to get the vertical route. The ball didn't come his way, but he got the separation that he needed. And I see that a lot. An example of him just having that nice first step off the line of scrimmage is kind of wherever he's lined up. I see that on his film, but I do think like you're getting the best of him as a vertical threat out of the slot. But overall, he does have the ability in my mind, at least to do the things you need to ultimately become an option as a vertical threat and, 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 you know, in a variety of ways, not just out of the slot. Yeah. Even though I do think at the NFL level, right. I, I feel like Babel is going to use them all around, but you're going to see if you're, if he's going to be the outside receiver, the quote unquote, number one receiver, I think it's going to be inside the numbers closer to the hash in a very, like you said, yeah. condensed type of formation. Other than that, I think the best way to utilize him is off the line of scrimmage, even though he has solid releases, I would say like from what I've seen, but a lot of his, 
ability and what he was doing at Kentucky was he was off the line of scrimmage. So he doesn't necessarily have to deal with the jam and the press because he is yeah. physically limited in that area. So I think it's going to be that. And I think you're going to see a lot of pre-snap motion because you're right, man. Cohen used this guy in pre-snap motion all the time, and he was the best asset on that offense. So why not move him around and change the assignments to confuse the defense? Wanda Robinson probably won't be the best asset on the New York Giants offense, but you could still use him in that manner and move him around so much. And it's just something that we're not used to seeing because Jason Garrett just, for whatever reason, did not do it all that often. I think the Giants can gain advantages in these games when they face teams who switch their assignments based on the pre-snap motion. And if you can just create one blown coverage in a game because of all that pre-snap motion, it's worth it. And I think Wanda Robinson and Kadarius Tony are two of those players that defenses are going to have to focus on, especially if the Giants are having success moving the football on these quick hitting passes that we expect them to see in Brian Dable's offense. Yeah, you're 100% right. And let's talk about some of the other traits that might or might not translate to the next level when you actually have to face NFL level competition. One of those being, you know, the concerns with his frame, his arm length, his hands. It's interesting to me, Nick, because I went into it with this idea that he was going to be kind of not able to make these catches away from his frame. But really, it comes away, at least for me, from the games I saw as a bit of a mixed bag, because there are a lot of examples of him making spectacular catches where he just has great body control, adjustment, concentration, a catch versus Louisville that comes to mind on the good side of that. But then there's just also a lot of examples of him just kind of adjusting to like off target throws and making difficult catches, not just through the contact point, which we talked about because he is a really tough guy, but like just when it's away from his frame and it's away from the contact point. And this is something I saw even more of from Robinson to me, at least Nick, and you can, I'm curious to get your take on this, but then Tony, when I was watching Tony at Florida, I think he, Robinson made a lot more of these away from frame catches, but at the same time, there are also examples of the opposite. And that's the interesting thing for me with Robinson when I'm watching this tape, because there's also examples like, for example, I have this one written down for also from the Missouri game is in the third quarter with 412 left. He runs a really nice slot vert, um, but then he just doesn't hold on through the catch point. Like it's a, it's really just a bad concentration drop. And these are more concentration drops or just the fact that he's just not the most natural uh, kind of, hands catcher and I, i'm curious to get your take on that like there's a little bit of inconsistency at least in my mind from what i've seen on the film as far as what he can do at the catch point though again like i said there are some spectacular moments there's also the, the drops and things that i'm a bit more concerned with what are your what's your take on that as it translates to the nfl level i think it's a little bit of column a column b i don't think he's the most natural with his hands and on that missouri catch if i'm not mistaken he turned back at around the numbers right and then it just hit him in the chest yep. it was body catching and it just fell out because there are times where i feel like where he's running those types of routes those quick hitches where he's more of a body catcher you don't see him necessarily extend away from his frame and pluck it out of the air i don't see that necessarily as much now in terms of the catching away from his frame i felt like his best ability to catch away from his frame is when he's running vertically on a, on a slot fade on a vert whatever a nine round and, he, and he's diving to make a catch that's a little bit overthrown. I felt like he did an excellent job doing that. But I also question if he was a six-foot wide receiver with you know 31-inch arms, would he even have to dive in those situations? I think it's right. fair to ask that. But I do believe that he makes up for his physical limitations in that area because he's very adept at stretching out and making those catches while he's moving vertically. But when he's running horizontally and the pass is behind him a little bit, 
I felt like I I had a little bit of concerns with him coming back yes. behind and trying to twist at the hip and make the catch behind him. A lot of his drops were in areas like that where he has to show natural hands and adjust away from his frame while running horizontally. And those were a lot of his drops came from. So I, I definitely have some concern for that. But you're right. There was a contested catch where this is why it's a little inconsistent. There was a contested catch against Tennessee where he caught a touchdown and he was twisting on a throw that was back shoulder and he jumped showed excellent body control, twisted midair, adjusted and made the made the grab in a, in a very congested area. So you see him do it, but I feel like the times where you're like, oh man, what the heck, bro? You got to come down with that. It's just because the throw isn't perfect and it's a little bit off. And I feel like that's going to put a little bit more stress on Daniel Jones and put a little bit of stress on Will Levis at the college level too. Yeah, and that's something, again, I heard from Josh Edwards when we talked to him. I've mentioned this before, but he used to cover Kentucky for 24-7. He covers us the draft for us now, and it's like he really needs an accurate quarterback based on his skill set. Right now, Daniel Jones has not been an accurate quarterback. I know he's billed as one by Giants fans because of that first year, but even in that first year, the, the, the advanced stats show that he wasn't as accurate as it seemed, and the accuracy has really waned. Last year, he was bottom three in the NFL, according to PFF, in uh, target, you know, in, in target, like on target throws in the five to 10 yard range. So that for some reason, Wayne, hopefully that can all improve with a better offense, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, right now the accuracy is a little bit overblown and he needs a really accurate quarterback, I think on these routes. And what's interesting to me, you mentioned kind of how he is on those, how he, you know, how he's able to adjust away from his frame. He's not as much of a natural crosser. Uh, I'm sorry, catcher on those, those, those horizontal stuff. But I thought in general, Nick, from watching his tape, I don't want to say he's a one trick pony because he has a few tricks, but it seemed to me like Robinson is really good at the things he does well, right? After the catch, the ability to run slot verts and track and get vertical. I mean, there's a play It's six. There, we'll go over it. I'll go over this in a second because there's a play at, uh, for, in the Missouri game, at least, you know, I think it's fourth quarter, six thirty one. This is a huge play. It's third and 12. Like if they don't convert this, the game's over. It's just like that Iowa game where he kind of comes up big and he does a really good job to release and stack and get vertical on the slot vert and then tracks the ball and makes a huge conversion on third and 12. And he has another example of this again against Tennessee. You brought up that game. It was 1140 in the second quarter. And again, he just looks really good at creating separation and ball tracking on these slot verts. But it almost feels to me like he does the slot vert stuff really well, right? He's really good after the catch. He has like incredible vision and he makes tough catches on quick inbreakers, but on the horizontal stuff in general, it's not just the ball catching. Like it's not just what you mentioned, Nick, which I do have, you know, some concerns with, which is like his ability to adjust. It's also like, I didn't think he was creating deep, a uh, really good separation. There was a route in the fourth quarter of that game. I was talking about before the Missouri game, seven twenty left. Like he was running a deep crosser here from the slot and the corner's just right with him. And it's not some good corner. It's not somebody who's getting drafted. It's no one. And I just felt like in general, he doesn't, He's not someone who I'm super confident right now can be an asset in the intermediate area of the field on like crossing routes. And when he's asked to kind of make those like deep crossers and, and deep overs and things of that nature. The way I termed it in my report on him was just he creates solid separation. So there are times when 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 that happens, if he doesn't set up his route as well, or if the if the defender is playing, you know, over the top or inside leverage, can he create separation on those types of players who are trying to prevent him or trying to influence him outside but he's still going to go inside i don't really necessarily think he creates the best separation against those guys in those types of situations if he doesn't have if he doesn't fake the guy out and go outside or anything like that so i can see where you're coming from but overall i would say that he's solid at creating separation from an athletic ability standpoint but when you're also his size dude like that's yeah 
all of that gets factored into this, like the, the, the size, the, the catch radius, all, all of that gets factored into your ability to, to have success at multiple levels of the field. And I think Wanda Robinson can have success at multiple levels of the field. It's always going to come back to your limitations. And when you, when you fail at that, like he did in that Missouri tape, you're going to be like, well, why exactly did that happen? Now, I don't have that play in front of me, so I can't go through with the leverage that the cornerback was playing and whatnot. But I think he can create separation. I just don't know if it's going to be against NFL competition. I don't think it's going to be something that you are going to consistently rely on from an athletic ability standpoint on those deep crossing routes, especially when the defense isn't over the top or inside leverage. Yeah, for sure. And again, like right now, I see a vision for him. I think he can make an impact in year one, but I, I almost feel like I have less concerns with his ability, like his deep speed or his size on the vertical stuff than I do on kind of being anything of a weapon at all for the Giants over the middle on the on the intermediate range. Just because, again, the catch radius isn't there. The route running to me is not what it needs to be at this point in the hands catch. And it's not he's not very natural hands catcher away from his frame. So to me, there's a lot of potential red flags or drawbacks that as far as like once you get to the NFL level, it's that, you know, you're not even going to be facing the same level corners that you faced even in the SEC. It's just such a big jump there. So we'll see what happens. One other thing I, I want to point out from the tape, and then I'll turn it over to you to anything you uh, you had. I just don't feel like he's making any impact, or, and there's no real examples, at least in my, that I saw, of him making any kind of impact as a blocker. So I just don't think he's going to be like that Sterling Shepard, where like Sterling Shepard may not be big, but he was making an impact as a blocker for the Giants for a while. I just, I'm not saying he's not a willing blocker, Nick. It's not that. I just don't feel like they used him at all, or he maybe maybe it's part of a, how he was taught there, whatever it may be. He's new to the position. I don't know, but I just don't see that translating to the next level. So the thing I appreciated about his blocking, and I was going to bring this up next, was he definitely competes. He definitely tries. But again, like we brought up a little bit ago, those physical limitations are going to be an issue. I think the best block I saw him throw was against Tennessee Chattanooga, which I was able to get that tape. He was the play side wide receiver, reduced set, and it was a jet motion handoff to another wide receiver. And he was the lead blocker. And he got in the way of the safety. This is a small school. And he was able to just get his hands inside and just kind of annoy him enough. And I think that's what Wondell Robinson will do. I think he's always going to compete. I think his competitive toughness is through the roof. It's elite. But when you're that size, you're not going to be able to dictate the terms of a six foot one, 190 pound cornerback who is very, very physical. So I don't necessarily believe that he'll have a huge impact in that area. And I know I'm sure the Giants are aware of that as well. But another aspect is since he was a former running back, he was like all Mr. Kentucky in high school as, as a football player, just an absolute stud in Kentucky before he went to Nebraska. This dude has natural skills as a running back. You brought up the vision and all that from before, but even, even Liam Cohn, he was a wide receiver in Cohn's offense, used him a lot on those jet motions and on those end around sweeps and all of that. And I felt like he did a good job having success in those types of situations. Yeah, you're exactly right. And that's why, like, you know, like we talked about a lot of tight splits from him on the tape in year one. I'm curious to see, like, we'll get to this when we, uh, you know, preposition as well, but I'm curious to see like what his role will actually be, especially with Kadarius Tony on the roster. And once Sterling Sterling Shepard gets healthy, because there, you know, in some ways there's a limitation in my mind, at least to how he can be used in year one. Like I just don't foresee him being lined up too often on the boundary. And in that sense, it's like, well, will the giants get creative and use sets with both him and Barkley in the backfield and, you know, with him just kind of just always in motion pre-snap as that type of player potentially. But if you look at kind of what the Bills did with Isaiah McKenzie last year, it's not like McKenzie was playing any kind of crazy role. So I wouldn't be too surprised despite him being picked early 
if he isn't on the field for as many snaps as we expect. Yeah, I mean, the Giants have a lot of receivers, and we don't even know if Darius Slayton is going to be on the roster and his role and his impact with the team. It's That's why it's another, I would say, I think the word I used was peculiar type of pick. What will this receiver's usage be in year one and in year two? And hopefully the vision that Brian Dable and, and Joe Shane have you know, meet the expectations of being a second round pick. There's a lot to like about Wandell Robinson. I, I don't want to, you know, mince my words here. It's not like I don't like the player. It's just, this is a top 50 selection for a guy, as we've said several times, who has a lot of outlier type of traits assigned to a scouting report. Now, can he overcome that? Hopefully. And, you know, I love the kid from everything that I've seen. So I'm, I'm hoping that it, the Giants can find success with him in, in year one, him and Kadarius Tony, Kenny Galladay in this entire receiver room. But there, he's gonna have to. Um, he's gonna have to be an outlier. <laughs> like, I mean, you've seen a list of five foot eight wide receivers who have had success in the National Football League. It's not long. Yeah, and it's not even just like going by that, like because that is definitely a factor. But it's just you can look at it just like how many players at his size have made crazy massive impacts, at least without freakish, you know, speed. How many players at his size have done it? And it's tough. But I'll say this, Nick, we did promise a little bit of a deep dive here. So anything else from the tape, even if you've said it on another podcast, but that you can tell them, tell the listeners that's specific to what you found on the film, maybe something that hasn't been mentioned on other podcasts or by other people or just something we haven't brought up as much that that you kind of saw on tape that you wanted to be like, you know what, here's a trait that Robinson has that I saw multiple times. And here's how it translates against actual NFL competition. I think I brought it all up basically yeah. throughout this podcast already and other podcasts. This guy is somebody who is a quick accelerator who lacks, you could say, I guess, breakaway type of speed, but he's dynamic in space because of his short area agility and his ability to make players miss and make them have disadvantageous angles into the tackle point. I think he is flexible. I think he has good contact balance. I felt like his release package was a little bit better than what I expected, knowing yeah. that he was a little bit raw at being a wide receiver. But I also acknowledge that he had a lot of design touches in Liam Cohn's offense. A lot of the offense ran through him. That's not necessarily going to be the case at the next level. And this is somebody who was wildly productive at 140 targets in college last year, 104 catches for 1,342 yards and, and seven touchdowns. I mean, that's very, very it's very, very good production right there, but he also had seven drops as well. I mean, his touchdowns, same amount of drops. And I felt like he, and everything that we already talked about in terms of his lack of reliability on horizontal crosses and adjusting away from his frame. I felt like that's something that can really show its ugly head in year one, but I still like the player and I hope that he has success. And I think he could be multidimensional in the fact that you can have him return punch. You can have him be a kick returner. You can have him be used in the rushing attack and you can have him be used as a wide receiver at all three levels of the field. But there's still some growth that needs to happen here for a player who, like I said several times on this podcast already, has outlier traits. Yeah, without a doubt. I think the two things that stand out for me are one, just the dominator factor that he was kind of the focal point of that Cohen offense that took a massive jump last year. That's a good sign to me. How does it translate against NFL competition? I don't know. Just like, you know, it, all the yards and, and the catches he racked up. Well, a lot of those 33%, I think it was, or something crazy number like that came on design, you know, design screens and design quick hitting stuff. The Giants are going to try to do that. But it's a lot easier said than done. Like at the at the at the collegiate level, the splits are different. Like where the, the play, where the the offense aligns on each snap allows for a lot more space to one side of the field. That's not how it works at the NFL level. So it's a lot easier in my mind to manufacture yardage at the collegiate level. And so when it translates, and I say, and I look at somebody who had so much manufactured product, manufactured production, 
I'm not so sure when you have the speed of the NFL second and third level defenders coming down at you, that it just works. It just may not work at all. And then that becomes you know something to think about. So I do like these traits and I do like the, you know, overall concepts and what he could bring, but it'll be interesting to see how this pick fits. All right. That's all we have for today on the big blue banter podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Please. Again, if you enjoy the show, leave us a rating and review on Spotify or iTunes. That would be very much so appreciated. If you leave a question there, we'll answer on the next mailbag. That's going to come up soon too. So have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.